Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host, as always. And today we are joined by Jan B. Ho, the visionary VP and senior dev owner of SAP Business Technology Platform, specializing in low-code, no-code application development tools. With a rich history in global IT innovation and cloud-based solution, Jan Fee stands at the forefront of technological advancements. Her expertise spans from building IT startups to leading global R&D centers. Based in Singapore, a hub of innovation, Jan Fee's leadership has been instrumental in the development of SAP's mobile tools, integrating AI and Internet of Things capabilities. With a passion for fostering global collaboration, she's worked with teams from North America to Europe. And I've asked her to join us here today to share her story and insights on Singapore's tech landscape plus the future of innovation. So thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Darren. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. So now before we hop into this, how did you even get involved in tech and business? Do you, are, your fan, are your parents in this space too? Is this like a family industry? kind of? No, no, no way. This is so way after my dad industry or time. I, I have always been more a mathematics and science and logical person. I was aimed to be an architect. I do drawing and architecture. But when I actually stepped into the computer industry, I started with programming and I found that it was actually easier than literature. Good, leading into your talents. Yeah, so it was not as difficult to write a code than memorizing all the histories and literature. So I thought that this is interesting. And when I get to know about what is computer programming, I was totally amazed by the power and the future. So I just turned around and go for this direction. So I got myself a software engineering degree and I love the creativities and the work of programming and, and get a product and and off you get an application that's running. It's just so amazing. I was overwhelmed and amazed. And I tell myself that I like to be part of the creation of a program. So mm -hmm. when I got an opportunity to be a programmer, I see the software that is running on this little box mm -hmm. and the screen. I just feel the joy. And that's how it all started. That's fantastic. Naval is someone I really admire. He's a tech billionaire. And he's, he talks about that traditionally, there were only two forms of leverage, people and money. Either you had a lot of capital, but you needed permission from people to use their money, right? You'd have to collect yeah. them. And then people, and you'd need permission from people to lead them. Or even if it was slave labor, you had to have enforcers and they would have to give you permission to follow you. But now we're in an era of almost like a new gold rush where yes. now we have permissionless forms of leverage, which are code and media. Code is just an army of robots. If I had 10,000 robots that would do anything you wanted, what would you have them do? And that's 
right? These robots are built with ones and zeros and they live in servers. But media is the same thing. We're going to do this interview and we're going to spend an hour of our time here. And this is something that can serve hundreds of thousands of people and, and be there. I still get downloads from interviews I did in 2015. So that hour has been infinitely leveraged. So when you talk about the power of it, I wanted to say that for a minute. So the audience here understands what we're up against. And I, I, I think it's so powerful. So now can you talk a little bit about what were some of your biggest challenges then? Obviously software is not easy. It's, there's been, there's so many different languages. There's been a lot of upsets in the industry over time. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in your career be working in the tech industry? I think when you say software is not easy, actually, when you actually learn one language and do, it is not difficult. Hmm. So okay. the, the, the difficulty is the changes, involvement of new technology in the cycle is only getting faster and faster. Hmm. So at times, I feel that the God must be crazy because he wants to see the next chapter. So that's the challenge of keeping up with the changes. But overall, technologies, IT is a very new industry. So in that sense, you are learning going forward in the involvement. You are not studying about old days. And the old days is like a building block. It, did, it has systematically building a very good foundation of the core. So when you start from there and it's continue in the refinement of it and only ease and improve, if you can follow this, ideally, structurally, architecturally, it is not difficult. When you say that, it makes me think of blockchain and the scientific method, because that's how science is supposed to operate, right? Yes. There's a guy that wrote this great book, David Deutsch wrote a book called The Beginning of Infinity. He's the godfather of quantum computing. And yes. essentially, he says science is specific explanations that are hard to vary without ruining the outcome. For example, Greek myths, there's a Greek myth about why we have seasons, and it's one of the gods was kidnapped by the Lord of the underworld and he rapes her. And so the world cries and that's why we have winter. And then she gets released. Her mom negotiated her release. And that's when spring is here because she gets to go home a couple months every year. But that explanation doesn't explain like I'm in the Philippines right now. We don't have, we don't have winter. We just have heat and water. So that's a, uh, that's an explanation that doesn't suit here. Whereas how they figured out that the sun was the center of the universe was actually observing the phases of the moon and of Venus and being able to understand that the only explanation for this means that there must be a glowing object and using geometry and physics, they can explain it. And it's so specific that they can't change any of the details. They can't make it the distance different without it ruining the whole explanation. And so when you talk about this, how it's like layers and layers of infrastructure that's what science is supposed to be built on. And same with blockchain, essentially. The best succeeding chain wins, right? With the best foundation and structure. So can you talk a little bit about this to people? If someone is either starting out or struggling to start doing R&D to bring this sort of form of leverage to their business, where do a lot of people get tripped up? Like you say, innovation is happening so fast. You work with a lot of startups. What would you recommend to someone starting out or struggling? I think if you know who you are and what is your strength and you try not to be other people, but be yourself, I think there is always a room for you because you started to know that computer is useful. So just like someone, computer to me is like a language. 
it's, it's a new language and you know that brings you into the community. So you may not language by knowing how to speak it, but if you appreciate it, you understand it, you're going to use it. So as long as you are in this yep. universe that take and play part of the role in this technology and consume it, use it, ask for it. If you are not the one that is doing the fundamental of implementing it, is this okay? Because the player, the game is just getting bigger. It starts off by only a few people that know how to do it. And right. the rest are consuming. But, and, but initially, only very few people consume it. It means use it. And only it was a commodity. But now, everybody knows it. And a lot more people knows it. So you can build it. You can use it. You can explore it. So it becomes part of the community. So if you think of that, uh, and, and coupled with who you are, where is your strength, there is always a room for you to be part of these activities and part of this change in the industry. And there's, are there any languages that you would recommend, like Python, PHP, JavaScript? What would be, because I know, I know someone that did Ruby on Rails and they said that they wish they'd learned a different one. So I think likewise, as I say, if you want to be the hardcore you go to the bottom, you go to the Java, you go to lowest and the technology and the IC chips and the hardware to actually create the robot. But if you are in the business, you go higher level and that is where you get low code, no code and building blocks and in a much more easier way to actually got it. And mm -hmm. that is producing it. And if you are not directly producing it, you can be the one who understands that there is a technology. You'll be the one who command, be the product manager, product owner, but the power. So then, and you know your business. So you can be the one that articulate what is needed for your industry. Mm -hmm. The one who know the language don't have your expertise. But right. for you who are in your expert, as I say, you need to recognize and appreciate who you are and be good. And then now you appreciate this new commodity called computer programming. It's going to facilitate you and you have trust. So you're mm -hmm. going to try to say is that I want to use it in my business and in my community, in my mm -hmm. universe. Mm -hmm. So you're going to engage, you're going to learn about it. And, you, and, and as a product owner or pro product manager, you may not be the one who is coding, but you know the power. It's just like you... you I always thought of it that if you like cakes, that's right. simple, right? And right. you really had tried the cakes in the universe from okay. the east to the west, north to the south. They're all different, right? You have right. been to Japan. So the cake is very different from the New York cakes, right? right? right. Yeah. So now you may not have to be the one who beat the eggs and put the flowers and do it, but you have an idea what is the best cake for Philippines to improve from where they like it to the next. Mm. So you will be the best product manager for the new cake that you think will be selling well because you have exposed to the others. So why is for software? If you actually have used it and exposed the capability, like you say, the AI, the robot, the, the blockchain, that there is a lot of the technologies that you're aware of, and you know the productivity and ease of use. Right. So you want that for your industry so that you right. can have an ease way of 
managing all your podcasts, be able to retrieve it, be able to search it. Hey, you have a command on how to build this. And if you scout around, there is something already close by. And if you actually work with someone who say, I want to add some of this, because you are the one who know that this is a new market of everybody is going to produce the content to right. be reused. So right. how to use it effectively because you live every day in this business. So right. you will be the best one who articulate that requirement and work with someone. Voila, it may be the best, most important next high flying right, software. Right, right, okay. right, and, right. And who's the owner? You can be the owner or you can be a co-partner of an owner creating that because the one who know the language don't know the contents, but you are in your business. And, right. and it's not your business is more important than others. But in fact, you are in a very important business. You are riding the wave. And how do you protect it? How do you protect your intellectual property in a world of copy paste? I think what you say is that there is some fundamentals, but in fact, you are building on a lot of rocks. Right. So you are adding a little bit. And if the one that you are adding is had intellectual property, it has gantries, it's not easy to get in. Hmm. Then you file a patent, or even if you don't file a patent, you had your logic, your concepts. So someone can see that if it's so simple, people look at it, they don't copy, but they can do it themselves. So you're not worried. But if you are actually the one in your business that you have a crew, you are only designing how good to use. You're not telling how others that you implement it. And you're partner with someone. So don't worry. Don't worry about it and continue. And the more, the better people use it, then the big company is going to come and say, Darren, you had the piece of yeah. cool software. And, and in fact, it's, it's no longer just that. A big guys want to come into the Papa Mama shops because that is where the new innovations, that's where the new ownership. And voila, you're ready to start another startup. Yeah, I agree. That's the story of Flappy Bird, that game. This guy just coded a game. I think he was from Malaysia in his, <laughs> in his basement and it became a worldwide sensation. You know what I mean? And it was just, yeah. just yes. he just had an idea and some code. And I, I think Gmail is used by a billion people and there's only 40 software engineers. So that means yes. 40 people are working on a product that touches the lives of a billion people. It is. Yeah. So are yeah. there any rules you talked about there's fundamentals. There are any fundamentals in this space in terms of sandboxing before you release to the public? And how does that typically work? We're trying to talk to people that maybe don't have a background in this and don't know. You mentioned that there's low code, no code tools, but I imagine there's still like a, a, a staging process before you go live. How does that, what does that look like? How does that work from a concept? We will have an environment that is internal. So as every engineers do, they can drop it into that code line. And then they can do individual tests. And then you have another code line that only when things are stable, it's actually get transferred into the one that is going to go out. So all this has evolved and improved and become much more complex because the old days, you actually have a much longer cycles in the software release. Yeah, you had your good time. Now everybody is, come on. I want it and I want it fast and I want no downtime to release it. So there is a lot more new software developments, agile development and how it released that is changing the whole industry. Not exactly what I like, as I say, I think that we don't have to be over aggressive, but 
life, I think not that too laid back, but it is take the right pace of each and individual, not get overstressed because, hey, we had a plan for the future to be better, but we live now. So I think there are just too many people that overstress and overambitious, and that's where we do have a lot of problems on people committing suicide, people lost the people lost the drive to excel or, or lost the confidence that they can compete with a robot, with the AI. Come on, mm. cool down. Yeah. Yes, we need to take steps, but don't get overworked. Hang Hang loose. Hang loose. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. We a lot of people when we talk about um, AI, I think it's in a lot of ways it's just a tool. We're still very far yes. from true sentient AI right now. It's just a really fancy algorithm and calculator. Yes. And accountants, I always use this example. Accountants, when calculators came out, they used to have to crunch the numbers themselves and. Calculators came out and now it let the productive ones be more productive and the non-productive ones lost their excuse for why they were not as productive. And either they they either needed to get uh, motivated or find a new career where they could keep Correct. up. And I think in some ways, the same thing enabling us. We're already cyborgs right now. It's just not embedded into our bodies. It's not embedded yes. to our biology, but we're communicating through technology on diff different islands, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. In a lot of ways, there's hype. And there's real, like people's jobs have been replaced, certain people, but you just got to keep focusing on the problem that you're cool. solving and what the Correct. outcome is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's really powerful. So what do yeah. you think of some of the specific skills and behaviors that are important for like your team, for example, to improve or develop? I think we need to continue to be passionate about what we're doing, be proud and actually have the visions that it's meaningful things that we participate and and produce as a career. Mm. Not only we are just getting a life, but we actually be, like you say, contributing to the industries. So my career has been producing tools. I'm actually a software development, and basically I produce software tools in my entire career. Mm -hmm. I'm a tool developer. Right. So most of the time, I don't write the end products of an application, but I write tools. I run the development teams that produce tools, power builders and, and mobile development tools, mobile development kit, and now TP Build, which is a various tool in actually increasing the productivities of building an application across the industries. Okay. Yeah. It's important that they be motivated. Motivated yeah. and like what they're doing. And when there is new changes, take a positive side in understanding what is crowd technology? What is agile development? When, to be true, when some of these require came and my product manager says that, Yenfi, we need cloud. I'm like, what is cloud? She says, hey, people all have cloud. I thought it's a features. Hey, the mm. more you learn about it, no. It's right. where you're going to store in your codes and right. where you can do. Yeah, so right. it's the paradigm shift. And we used not to use Urja. And then there is an industry, a movement for the goodness of producing something in a shorter cycle and being able to produce more. So we learned about it. Hey, there is real value in it. So we go learn about it. We pick what is good, what is bad and what we can slowly integrate into. It's real life. It's like people say is that having intermittent fast is good. Just right. do you want to do that all the time? Hey, 
you, you pick and choose to try it and see how it is. So technology, a new language, a new system, you learn about it. You don't need to be forced, but you community show you that is advantage. You pick and choose and adapt it and transform yourself. It's never boring and things just <laughs> got <laughs> And what are faster. some of the biggest mistakes that you see either clients or entre- other entrepreneurs making? I think the biggest mistake is that if you believe in something and if someone believes in you and go do it, just go do it and don't be shy about it. If someone thinks that you can run something and own something and drive it, don't be too polite. Thanks for the endorsement. Thanks for the opportunity. Just go do it and try. If it fails, you still will learn something together. Mm, 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 mm. So, so that's kind of in line. Courage. On the show, we talk about entrepreneurs first really making sure they have roof and ramen. As long as you've got a roof over your head and ramen, hot noodles, so you don't starve. Then after that, it should be a fun thing and a playful thing. And what you're talking about, pursuing your passions, your visions, and try to have a big a goal that just seems too crazy and big to achieve. Because the problem with a lot of people is they set goals too small and achieve them. And they leave potential on the table. It's almost like they say negotiation. If you are negotiating something and they accept the first offer, the first price that you asked for, you didn't ask for enough, right? That's the whole thing. And that's people with their goals and dreams. I think it's the same, it's the same sort of thing. So I, I learned in business that I should know how much you had in your pocket. Okay. <laughs> then I stretch a little bit Yeah, yeah. in the negotiations. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. So what do you think are some of the most important habits in terms of successfully creating and launching products people love and enjoy? I think it's really understand what is the problem that the layman, the normal current users are doing, what are the challenges? And they may not know the technologies, the capability, or they may, may fantasize it. Yeah. So the one who know technologies, capability, that, but do not know the users' capacities and the environment. So mm. try to listen to that and understand it. And then in this partnership, brings the desire into reality and identify opportunity that technologies can bring your life better, your operations better. I love that. Yeah, that actually really matches our research. So you're talking about market intelligence. And that's one of the most critical things for any business is to really be in tune with the problem they're solving and who, what stereotype or what affected actor they're trying to help. So if you Say you're helping people job hunt. Homeless people need jobs and high-powered CEOs need jobs. So it's the same problem, but there's two different kinds of stereotypes that you're trying to serve. And so I think that's really, like you say, it's knowing the problem, assessing the problem to know who's affected, the stereotypes, trying to get a population size estimate and understanding it in terms of demographics and psychographics, and then understanding the problem almost better than they do, where you know the liabilities of it, the short-term and long-term costs, whether they realize them or not, and then you need yeah. to be aware of everything else happening, the top 10 competitors, right? Yes. And as best as you can, look at their sales data, their locations, their target yes. market, their offers and price points. And then even look at the industry benchmarks, right? Because then yes. you can look those up, ad performance, revenues, right? Size. And then when you take all that and you look at emerging trends and then what you want to do, now you start formulating solutions and creating a yes. strategic plan. I think that's really solid advice. Now, There's no magic. This is hard work. It is 
analysis, it is statistics. Right. So there is all patience in right. lying of this, use the technology to actually help you in speeding up the analysis. But it's all biggest, hard work. And the biggest, pro, the biggest way someone could shoot themselves in the foot is not having a fundamental in place. And yes. so building a product for a market that doesn't exist type yes. thing, you know, that's, I think, a really big problem. A lot of people, I always call it the, the baker's problem. So someone's really good at baking blueberry pies and their friends go, wow, you should open a bakery. And they finally consider <laughs> to do it. They go, okay, I'm going to do it. And then they pick a location that's close to their house and they design right. the logo and the menu <laughs> and the floor plan. And they have these big dreams and then yeah. they actually do it. And they There's build no it, customers and they open it. And then all their friends and family come make the obligatory token purchase to support yes. them. When but that's after, done, it's game over. Yeah. When it's done, then they go, oh, I need to find customers. Yes. Versus starting yeah. with the starving Correct. crowd. Every day, Correct. these 400 people that come out of that office building yep. for lunch. And I'm going to no. serve those 400 people Correct. delicious, healthy, baked goods, right? So that's, yes. yeah, yes. I think that's a really well said. I also think the engineering formula of brainstorm research prototype final build is also very helpful to understand yes. that people will be in the research prototype cycle yes. a few times correct probably longer than they think would you agree yes. with that absolutely i come from a research institute we used to have a lot of times and a lot of cycles to do research work and in fact I came from natural language processing. We were in the machine translation AI team. That, that is how you actually learn about what the world is doing, and then you build on top of it. And, and that is how you get to the pyramid in the world on some things that is significant. But oh, as yeah. it goes into the industry, it is always like you need some things from yesterday. But you will never get something if you don't invest minimum effort in doing this research work that you just mm. talked about. So I told my, my, my managers that it's good that we do something. And they say, yeah, we can talk about next week. I'm like, no, we need to get what we have on hands now to get it done. Then we have times to actually start thinking what we could do going forward for some of the new technology. And mm. exactly where we do, I would need to do some research. I need to do some analysis. I also take it as an opportunity for people who are interested to participate. And then we divide and conquer in, like you say, identify what are the business problem, identify what are the technology capability, identify if someone had already done it and what are the competitions. Right. So you imagine, and even if you are practical that you don't have a lot of time, you still have to do these baby steps or this view for mm. a start right. based on your budgets and capability. So that's how I continue to do research work even I'm in a uh, you know, commercial industry yeah. that I have today bread and butters that I need to deliver. And how I keep my teams to be competitive is to get this baby project, POC, proof of concept, get excited and interested to prepare something for the company for the future. Yes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think this is probably a sticking point for a lot of people. Would you agree if you're not a little bit embarrassed about your proof of concept product when you show it that you're waiting too no. long? Is that? I Yes. I have a little story. Way back, I was doing something and I have a, a colleague that is competitive. 
he says that he knows exactly how to do that and it doesn't need to do a proof of concept. And I told my boss, it's fine. You go ask him to go do it. And I will use our spare time and I will gather a few people, but I won't be able to give you like now. You can right. get it from him. But in this four weeks, bare minimum, I have to go through that cycle that I just talked about. And I produce something. And since then, my ex-boss have actually awarded a lot of things yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there is no miracle. Yeah. You really need to do, and it's not a one-man job. Right. Ah. It's really a community, a strength. Someone who actually go do a bit of research about what all these big MNCs are doing or there is more startups are doing. And is this really a need? And is this an emerging technology? And then mm. what is available out there? Then we get someone to put all this idea, what to do, how to do, where we want to, and then do a little bit of POCs to prove that. Is that exciting? That interesting? And right. then you will wow people for seeing this. And that's where you get investment. I love that. I think that's so well said. I think that's so well said. Because I think a I lot have of people... I've done so many cycles of that. And that's yeah. how I win. And you keep talking about cycles. So iterations. I think that's a powerful thing too. I've never seen a product launch that was perfect and flawless. There's yeah. always... It's always... It's not 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 iterations. And you just have to get the proof of concept. Almost like a... In project management, a Gantt cart, uh, chart, there's the critical path. And yes. so there's all these things that you want, but there's a critical path at the core of it all. And your proof of concept has to achieve that critical path. You, you have to how. be able to show that you can thunder through the most critical issues. So you don't actually have to complete or perfecting it. But you know that from here, where you are, you can thunder through and in the middle, there is some challenges. So you right. need to actually approve a concept that you can skip that challenge in the middle and cross. Yeah. So that is what your proof of concept is. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. And being incredibly closely tied to your users and even asking them, here's a great example as well. Elon, I love this example. Elon Musk made $300 million US selling a car he had no factory to build and no team to make. He made $300 million yeah. in pre-orders on a car he had no factory to build and no team to make and was going to be one to two years before people got it. But what he did have is he had a proof of concept people could touch and feel and understand, right? Yes. And I think that's almost what you're talking about here. And, and another tip for people as well, drawing from Elon's model, tell me if you think differently, but it's almost better to go after the high-end market first if you can Again, Elon did the Roadster because they are, they're okay in R&D. They've got the cash to spend on R&D. He made a super fancy toy car, right? Roadster, electric Roadster. And then with that proof of concept has now iterated, 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 iterated to now where he has something that's available for the masses. Would you agree? Is that sort of something that? I think what I learned about in my industries of how to productize and get into the market, I read a book about crossing the chasms. So once you actually learned it, you need to know where you go. So you need early adopter. And mm -hmm. either whether it's a high end or low end, or it has a definition of who is this early adopter. And it cannot be just, of course, to try, maybe it can be your brother and sister, your family, immediate circle. 
the next is need to be bigger than that. So mm. you need to define define who is your early adopter. That people are daring, people are outgoing, people are in pain, people have a need and desperate, and people don't have a price problem, or people are just willing because it's desperate and they're suffocating. Mm. So you you got all sort of reasons political or financially or nature. So you define that as your early adopter. Once that is proof of concept and early adopter endorsed, you need to cross. And anything I learned is a bell shape. So you get this excited, but there is many people who say that I will try if he tries. He will mm. not never be the first one. So right. the way you live your life, you are probably that you will be the front runner for anything. Not that you have the money, but you have the guts. Right. And you are excited and you seize the possibility and you see the vision. And if it's still, you enjoy being trying with yeah. someone on that. Yeah. So you need to find that group of people as your early adopter. And what is done, you need to complete it so that the pragmatic next group of people is going to see that it's worth the money, it's stable, it's not as high risk, they think of it. And then when it got done, you got a lot more people that is value for money and is trend, is following, you got the mess. But you will always have a large group of people die, they will not follow. Right, 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 right. So in the sense that I thought the concept of crossing the chasm taught me how to go to market for a research for a product. So I've gone through all that in my career. I love that. And I think that's really powerful. And I want to just reiterate this because you mentioned this a couple of times now. So I like I went to a CEO conference and in the same hotel, there was an AI conference and I just kind of and full disclosure, I just hopped the line. I had a badge. So I just went in. I didn't go into any of the sessions. I felt like that would have been stealing, but I just walked the vendor aisle of this other event, right? Their vendors are paid for the spot. They want customers. That's not. So I just like party crashed this other event that I didn't have a ticket for, but I just did the vendor aisle because it was AI and it was, I didn't even know. And I, but when I went through the vendors, what I realized was all these vendors had AI products and they were all like, like a month old. This is like when ChatGP just came out. And I realized that this is like musical chairs, that even though these big companies exist, it's an even playing field right now. Their only advantage is they're already running with teams of engineers, but there's a ton of room for somebody that knows what they're doing or has access to no code tools can whip something up. And now all of a sudden, like you say, based on your research, you can figure out what exists in the world and you can build on the top of the pyramid and literally be cutting edge. Can you... Speak to that a little bit. What is the current state of affairs for low-code, no-code tools? Is this still a pipe dream or is this something that you could actually, yeah? I think you still need because there is not a lot more people wanted to have software. And the whole generation of software, you just have to speed up. So in that sense, you need to convert a lot more people to participate in this game of producing a software. So in that sense, you need to make it easy for more people who had the business knowledge to actually be part of the food chain of producing something that is good. So in that sense, you're making the bar lower for people to come and be part of the producing of a software that is for a greater market need now than a few that we start off with. So there is, and then on top of it, AI, ChatGPT, general AI, it's all, additional flavor of capability that a local, no code that can actually help 
to produce the entire software. So how, how user-friendly are the low-code and no-code options right now? If I went up the streets to, I don't know, my dry cleaner or something, and I said, hey, and I gave them some low-code, no-code tools, would they would they be able to make some sort of app? It's, I think that would probably be still uh, some difficulties. I think it needs to be someone that maybe is a business accounting, business analyst or marketing that you used to produce a lot of these tediously by yourself. And now you found that there is some local, local tools that you can easily, some of the capabilities together mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. a, a bit of nice UI and then with a bit of nice logo and a couple of buttons and you actually had a few process that you want to automate and you have a couple of formulas that you want to put in and you have a couple of uh, information that is in different part of your storage or right. cloud. So if you have a little bit knowledge of all this, then I think you can easily be trained to use the software to produce capability for your business. Mm. And what's required in terms of upkeep? Because like, I know today, right before this, I have a WordPress site. Maybe this is a question for me, but we had 12 up things to update between plugins and themes and all that. And that was just brand new. We typed I think that's where the local no code is excited because it's getting more complex. Like you say, there is plugin, there is download. I say. So these are what we are trying to help you to eliminate that in your daily life. And that is what we're trying to crack our head as we are pro. So we're trying to solve that problem. But of course, it's not easy. So in that sense that we try to make some part of it that you can do a simple dissolve puzzle for your low-code, no-code, you have a front-end. Then perhaps certain pieces, you actually allow a pro-code, guys, to right. try to be able to share the produce that you come up from the low-code, no-code but not converting them to a pro because that is your front end. But you collected something because that is easy because your end users may be on the floor. Your end users may be out in talking to the customers. So they can actually capture that either by a scan, either by a QR code, either by a voice. It can be any media and you collect that. Mm. So you can produce that because you know exactly what you want. But when you actually then need to massage it and convert it, probably leave that to someone who can use a pro code, a professional coding, to actually consume from your no-code applications that you have created because you know the business on the front end. And you're talking in some terms. And so for people that aren't techie, I want to, and even maybe to check with myself, I think there's three areas that you mentioned. There's the front end, which typically means what the user sees and interacts with, right? The, yes. the layout, the look and feel is the yes, front end. Yes, it's the front the of button, your right. kind of apps. It can be an apps, it can be a plugin. So you right. can easily scan because everybody is using a smartphone. Right. So you right. can right. scan, you can voice, you record. So you have a simple application that most of you can conceive what will be right. needed. 
You say, right. I want to capture when I talk to someone and I want to right away, not keeping the name card, but right. maybe his voice, maybe the scan, his text, right. a few words. And I want that to be scribbled and right away collected. I don't want right. to write on a piece of paper and go back. I forgot where I put and things. I want to increase my whole productivity on engaging and meeting people. So there's a, so in any software project, there is there maybe three areas of, focus, maybe it'd be front end, back end and the database. Is that yeah, missing that's anything? Minimum. Yeah, that's okay. minimum. Yeah. Okay. Like, so like the, front minimum, end, yeah. the front end would be the you what the user interacts with. The back end would be the logic change, right? The code, the algorithms that, and then the database is how and where this is being stored. And each of these yes. can either be bottlenecks or have an opportunity to be optimized and have to communicate yes. with each other. Is that? Yes. That? Yes. Yep. So that's really the minimum. And then to be safe, then you add, you need to have the security to be able to actually easy consumes. And the trend is actually putting in the cloud. Right. Yeah. And when you want to scale it and being consumed by other applications so that you can process it, that's where you will want to be having new professional coding to actually take this simple applications that you have produced that serve your day-to-day -day running, collecting, you're really on the floor, in the right. factory, in your community, in the end users. But when you collect this, you really want to massage and keep that information. You want to put intelligence analysis to it. You want AI, right. you want process automations in it. So that, that will give you real productivity and intelligence and analysis at the back. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. So intelligence analysis, process automations. And is this also where APIs come in? This is where you now you would open it up to try to interact with other yes. tools? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has now been all pieced together. I hope. So <laughs> where do you think things are going to be in, in 10 years? 10 years from now? I think there is really a drive. People started, I think it's no longer having a hard time to tell you that you need to digitize. Do right. I have to tell you? No, we already right. crossed that for most of the people in the industry. People now is like, how can I do it? And can I do it cheaply? And can I, in some of my team members who know a little bit to do it? And then after I do the front, Okay, the back is a bit complex. There is AI, there is analysis. How can we actually still get a good uh, cost effectiveness to get that to the small and medium enterprise so that you can still take advantage of this intelligence of AI process and automations that you like? So I do see the trend of this is going to be commoditized. Mm. So the services will be available. And there will be another batch beside the local no-code that will be emerging a new group of people that is having a little bit better skill with pro-code, professional coding that can consume your front end and many of you who have produced it to plug them together. And perhaps the big enterprise will make a lot more of these services available to actually interact and brings the overall community from the front who have harvested a lot of front-end information, but with a little bit of plug-in, you can buy services. Without mm -hmm. buying the whole software, you can buy mm -hmm. services to create just currently a lot of the HR system, employee ERP systems that 
you just buy per head. You don't buy update your software yourself. Right. Right, you use right, it. Right. You use it as a service. You run like a meter. So those are the trend. Just like you don't dig a well at home now. Right. You install a tap. Right. You, you don't right. buy a. You don't buy a, a generator. Right. Uh, some part of Asia you still do, but mostly you want to install the electricity and right. you run the meter. So the trend going forward is just you. If you use that concept. That is what happened to the software services. I, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. But that's again, how I always think about when I drive down the road somewhere that I'm standing on the work. Somebody spent weeks and months in the hot sun making this road so I can get from A to B in 20 yes. minutes. That's but for them, it was maybe three months yes. of their life. Yes. Yeah. So infrastructure, that is a cost. So I think then someone need to bear that cost and recuperate from a different way. Right. And and right. only if this road and infrastructure is established, you will see the increase of economy and right. progress of society from the physical road to this internet highway to you and the consumer who building a lot more of this small infrastructure because you need to collect. Imagine it's like you're saving the water. So you are collecting them. You are putting them but you want right. the water to be purified in drink. Right. So you're not going to do all that, right? right. So right. you're going to put into the funnel in some way that you create that, but you're not right. going to know how to go do it because it is another school yeah. that takes yeah, your yeah, whole yeah. life to purify the water. And yeah. data, likewise, it's just similar. So if you actually simplify things in that level, you could understand how the technology is just going through the same evolutions of how we get the light, how we get the water, how we get the electricity, how we get the gas into our daily life that we just like water? Yeah. No, we just open the tap. No right. one understands what is a well. Why do we need a well? So well said. Yeah. Jan Fee, this has been such a great call. I've got a page of notes here, two pages of notes, actually. I do want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything I haven't asked you yet that I should have asked you? I hope I have actually shared with you a vision that I see is that oh, yeah. this is the new language of the world that everyone needs to learn. And you don't need to be overstressed that you need to be the one that write and put a language. But you just know that you need to understand this language, pick from where you are, be confident that it will be part of your life and right. join this community. There is room for everybody. And oh. just go enjoy life and not over worry and be positive and not worried about the robot is going to take over our job but you're mm. going to command what robot is needed for your industry. I love that. That's such a great message. If people want to reach out, if they have questions, if they want to continue the conversation, where should they find you? They can find me in LinkedIn. Okay. So if they want to go to LinkedIn and search Y-E-A-N-F-E-H-O, yeah. you know you found the right one. If it's her in Singapore, the VP Senior Dev Owner of SAP Business Technology Platform. So once again, that is Y-E-A-N-F-E-H-O. You can look her up on LinkedIn. Jan Fee, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a very insightful call. I know you've got your own direct reports, your own projects, your own things to worry, uh, worry about. So thank you for coming and sharing with me and my audience so we can all do a little bit better. Yeah, I hope so. 
thanks thanks for inviting me and i hope this useful insight to believe that the technology is going to change and be powerful to actually improve everybody's life and not mm -hmm. to be over worried about it mm -hmm.